Hello, welcome back to Where Are All My Friends. This week is with Gavin Chops, who is the drummer for Chelsea Cutler, an artist that I am a huge fan of, but also a co-founder, co-owner of Pack Records and Baron Owl Management. And I think it's a very rare breed of people that do both the musician side and the business and industry side of music and balance it well. And I had a feeling that he did, but I really didn't know too, too well what his story was in this conversation is about exactly that. This was really insightful, really inspiring. I think you'll enjoy it if you're interested in things like that. If you're just now finding the podcast or if you've been listening for a long, long time, there's a couple things that you can do that honestly means so, so much to me. The podcast right now is not my full-time job. It's just something that I do as a passion project and I want to continue to grow it and I want to continue to make it more and more real. So if you are down and if you like it, couple simple things that you can do. One, sharing it with your friends anywhere and everywhere. can be on social media. If you like this episode, share a clip of it on an Instagram story, tweet it, whatever. Two is subscribing wherever you're listening from, whatever platform that is. If it is Apple Podcasts, also leaving five stars and writing a review is massively helpful. And three, if you want to go above and beyond donating to the show, helps me upgrade gear, helps me have better production, all that good stuff. And that is whereareallmyfriends.com slash donate. There's also links for everything in the show description notes. So with that said, let's get into an excellent episode. I think you'll really enjoy it. We are back again, Where Are All My Friends podcast. And this week we are with Gavin Pomerantz or Gavin Chops. And I'm excited for this conversation. I really, really am. You're a musician, but you also have an insanely good eye for detail on the business and industry side of it. I know you have some other projects like a label and a management company, and that's really why I wanted to have this conversation. I think it's really interesting to see somebody who does both of those so well. So without saying too much of you, I will let you introduce yourself and let listeners know who you are and what you do. Thank you so much. That, that's like, that means a lot to me. You know, it's, it's really special to be able to do both things and it took a long time to get there. Um, I'm, I'm Gavin Chops. Uh, Gavin Pomerantz is my real name. I've done many things and I've lived many lives, but right now I sit at the intersection of business and music. I'm the co-founder of a management company called Baron Owl and more recently a co-founder of a label called Tack Records. And as Andrew said, I am the drummer for Chelsea Cutler. Yes, which is really cool. Uh, one, one thing that I've loved so much about doing this podcast is using the internet to connect with people. Like when I started this, I figured, cool, I have 10 or 20 friends that I can talk to. Like we can, we can see if this is a fun concept. And since then, I've ended up talking to so many people that I don't know but there's kind of a nod to just like, you see what somebody's doing through Instagram and a couple other profiles. And it's like, oh, cool. They probably get it. And I've had such crazy cool conversations with people that I wouldn't have been able to talk to otherwise. And I really felt that with you. Like I saw enough of, I don't know, like I saw that you drum for Chelsea Cutler and I'm a huge fan of her work, especially her last album, just like so incredible. So I figured if you worked with her, that said a lot. But then as I looked more at your other projects, I was like, damn, he really gets it. Like there's an attention to detail and everything with Baron Al and Pack Records that was just like a level of 
I don't know, it just felt like there was real care. So that's a story that I don't know anything past that. And I wanted to leave it there. But I love to hear about where that came from, because I don't think that that happens on accident, right? No, it's it. It was a lot of years of work. You know, it's a lot of years of work, not only on business, but also on myself, you know, preparing myself for a life that I wasn't really sure how to get to or how to do, you know, like I, I always wanted, this is I'm literally like, this is my dream. You know, this is my dream started about like two years ago now of being able to do both music and business. You know, I've always, my whole life have loved like drumming, obviously I'm a drummer, but I play piano. Like I love music. I start as a musician, but I also love listening to other artists and I also love helping other artists. I was always trying to come up with ideas with like my friends in high school of, of how to help them with their music. And it was always a part of who I was to help artists and also be an artist. So I was like, that's what I want my life to be. And I always knew that, but obviously like my parents, they were like, you got to go to college, you got to get like a degree. And yeah. so I got, I went to college and I got my business degree and kind of, and kind of, I oh, forgot cool. about music for, for a while. Um, and not, not necessarily forgot, I was still like DJing. I DJed and I went to school in New York City at Fordham University and I was DJing all the time and had internships in the music industry. Yeah. But, you know, I was kind of on a path to get like a finance gig. Really? And yeah, really. And I was like, after I graduated college, like I was applying to finance gigs and I was, uh, you know, not really happy, you know, wearing the, the monkey suit, you know, like wearing a suit, going to these job interviews, trying to like, I would go to these like group interviews and have to compete with people. And I was like, this is just so not who I am at my core. Like I, I want to be in music. I want to do music. So I quit, you know, trying to do that. And I was like, I'm sorry, mom. Sorry, dad. Like I want to be in music. And that right then and there, I decided like I was going to do music no matter what it took. And I started playing drums in bands. I, I was living in Connecticut at the time at my parents' place. I played in bands in Connecticut, you know, a bunch of different rock bands because I come from more of like a rock background. Oh, do you? So, yeah, yeah. So I'm a big, I love rock and punk music. You know, it has a huge influence on my life. And, it, and you know, it's really cool right now, you know, seeing so much rock and punk influence in so much popular music today and hearing a lot of things that I was into, you know, like Blink-182, I think is having a huge influence on the music scene right now. Yeah. So it's just like really Okay, so that. you were like kind of in that same like pop punk warp tour blink one eighty two kind of circle. Oh yeah. I, I loved that kind of music. I was playing with bands like that. I was also playing with bands that were making kind of like harder, you know, harder rock music. Um, okay. So I just love, you know, I'm I have a lot of energy. Um a lot of people might not think that because in day-to-day life I'm very like chill and relaxed. And you know, a lot of people think I'm like and in high school, I used to get in trouble because my teacher would think I was stoned all the time. But you know, I rarely smoke weed that much. I'm rarely like, you're just like you just not, have like that chill demeanor. Yeah, so I'm mostly just re- relaxed all the time. But when I'm doing something I love, you know, whether it's drums, whether it's you know a, a passion project, or with my business, you know, Pack Records, I am I'm wired. I'm I'm in it. You know, I give my 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 hundred percent, and um, so. That's why I like hard rock music because I was able to really, you know, bring it. I was really able to bring yeah. some wild energy. And you were always and, playing drums? 
or because yeah, yeah, yeah. you the drums wait, are the most fun yeah Sorry, you said early i, I kind of messed that up you said that you would learn piano right yeah piano was my first instrument um I actually broke my arm and i went to my piano lesson and i couldn't move my fingers on my right hand and my piano teacher put a drumstick in my cast and was like we're doing drums today and no way. that was kind of it yeah and that sent me off to be a drummer um, obviously like I have my piano, my little keyboard right here. I still like play along. And unfortunately, I just moved to this new apartment and I don't have my drum set here because it's like a very residential building. I used to live in like an artist, like kind of commune building. I had my drum set and it didn't really matter when I played. So that's like something I'm figuring out is where kind of put my drum set. And I miss playing drums, man. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I always feel for drummers on that. Like a buddy of mine out here in LA has the same problem where he's like, I can't play in this apartment. So he has like, uh, he has like drive to a studio space. Anytime he just feels like playing drums where any other instrument you play is just like, yeah, cool. I'll just plug it in my bedroom. So I feel for you, yeah. but that's really cool. So there's a couple things there that I'm interested in. You okay almost walked away from music like you you learned at an early age i take it with like piano and drums yeah i was like uh i started piano i was like seven and i started drums at like 10 okay yeah so like that was like a very young thing that you gravitated towards but then you have that moment of going to school going to college thinking you're going to be in finance so i just think that that crossroads is so important in so many people's careers and i like talking about that so had you given up, like, had you done like the band thing and it just didn't click and you were like, all right, like this was my time and it didn't really go. So now it's time for school. Was it your parents leaning on you? Like, what did that look like? Um, I mean, I don't want to blame my parents. Like my parents are the, are the best people in my life. They support me in everything I do. They've been there for me, but you know, they're both, they both come from, you know, they're both uh, homeopathic doctors, mm. you know, and, and what they know is like a specific route gets you a safe and comfortable life. Yes. And they wanted me to follow along that path and be safe and have healthcare and a salary and, you know, able to do the things I want to do and have pure financial freedom. And like, I I respect that. And I respect their decision to push me in in that direction of going to school. Mm -hmm. But, but that's not what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, I wanted, I always wanted to be in music. I always wanted to be a rock star you know ever since i was a little kid like playing drums on stages was something i always wanted to do i want at summer camp i'd play in bands and play for the kids you know like that was my favorite thing you know i always would dj you know anytime i had a chance to perform and like kind of live that rock star persona for a little bit like it was you know my pride and joy i felt truly myself yeah um so I guess the, the turning point really for me to commit to music fully was just kind of being a little stubborn, being really stubborn about it and knowing myself and kind of disregarding what my parents thought, you know, even what my friends thought. I was just, I'm, I want to do this. I don't know what it's going to take, but I'm going to figure this out no matter how long it takes. Mm-hmm. So then you had like, that I, I just that that had to be hard at that spot of like graduating college and then being like okay nah not that like what was your first move towards that like did you have something to go do instantly or like what were you how do you make that pivot 
Well, I tried starting a record label out of my parents' basement. That was the first thing I tried to do. Mm-hmm. I set up like a little like recording booth with like some old mattresses and I would have like a artist come over and I would produce a little bit and my, one of my friends would produce with me and we tried like starting a record label. I had no idea what I was doing. Literally no idea. You so just went for I, it. Yeah, I had no connections. I, I had nothing. So it really, nothing really happened, but I started to learn like a bit of work, work ethic and what it took. And I started developing habits that have helped me, you know, today of just like seeing little incremental, you know, changes, you know, over time and knowing that the more that I put into it, the more I'm going to learn. And maybe this, what I'm doing right now, you know, this record label is not going to be what it is but I'm learning stuff right now that I'm going to take with me. Yeah. And that's something that's been really important along my journey now is learning from every moment, everything I do, I do like even, you know, just to jump forward a little bit, I was working, you know, I've been before I started like drumming with Chelsea and before the record label, like this, it was only like two years ago, really. I was working at restaurants, you know, I was a bike messenger like delivering food. I I was doing all kinds of jobs just to kind of get by while I was uh, trying to make my dreams come true. Yeah. And it's that tireless work ethic, the stubbornness of not stopping. um, I think I started learning at that point in my life when I was starting the record label in my parents' basement. Yeah, no, that's huge. I'm glad you said that because I feel such a similar way. Like the amount of BS and behind the scenes kind of grinding that you have to do before it gets to anywhere where you're like, oh my God, it's happening. Like it's a lot, it's a lot. And you can make it happen if you really care because you're not going to stop, like you can't. But that's a really interesting spot to be in. So I'm glad that you share that. I'm glad that you're like, yeah, I was grinding it out. I was doing anything I had to do. So what age were you? Uh, how old are you? I don't even know how old you are. I'm 28 years old now. Okay, cool. So like around 26 is when things started clicking? Yeah, like 26, like a couple months after I turned 26 when, you know, the kind of the magic switch happened. I don't know what, you know, it was just like years of work just led to this point. Everything just started changing. Yeah. And like everything. It was really, it felt really great. Damn. So... What's that gap? You finish college, you're applying for jobs. You had like some real years of just grinding, doing whatever, parents' basement, trying to figure it out. Um, yeah, I mean, I moved to Brooklyn eventually. Um, I so I've, I've do like I've lived like nine lives in the in the past couple of years. Um, I after I I ended up getting a job at Beatport. Um, oh, which is like a electronic. Uh, distributor. They mostly service to DJs and they're a very well-renowned um, distributor of, of electronic music. I remember um, that I was, name because they sponsored a warp Tour stage one year. Really? I did not know that. Super <laughs> random. Like you wouldn't think that fit, but there was like a year where warp Tour was like, we're going to have DJs and it was the Beatport stage. So that's super funny. I've never like outside of that. I'm like, wow, that's weird. I heard that name again. <laughs> Yeah, man, it was, it was, it was actually like my, it was my, I, I loved that job. I was artist relations and I was hired on to kind of usher in all the new genres of electronic music that were happening, like future bass, you know, future house, 
more slower versions of like electronic music because Beatport, more known for like techno and other genres like that, they kind of missed the gap of like trap and future bass mm. and all this stuff because they thought it was just fads. Yeah. And so I was kind of hired on as this young, young kid to bring in, you know, this, this new music. So that was like that job, like my, my old boss, Liz Miller, she's now uh, like the head of uh, music partnerships at Facebook. She is, you know, she really got me into the music industry, like helped me break that invisible wall. And I met a lot of like amazing people working there and I started like a lot of like major connections that I made over the years. Like, that was at a that big job. piece for you. Yeah, I only worked there for a year though. The company went under because the parent company SFX went out of business. And then I was just like on my own. I was like, I kind of wanted to go on my own. And, and I was starting to play around with management. And this really kind of kicked my ass into gear. And I started managing some of my friends and kind of getting experience there. But then this was the point where I was really grinding because I was paying rent. You know, I was living in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, I like didn't have a real job anymore and I had to figure out any way I could to make money. And I was doing all kinds of odd jobs. And this went on from the time I was like, you know, 24, I guess it was, I guess it was three years of just doing whatever it took. I, I moved to Australia at one point. I lived there Holy for crap. a little bit. Uh, yeah, man, I started an events company raising, trying to raise money for, um, small companies that were making products that were that helped the environment. Um, I've I've done like all kinds of crazy entrepreneurial shit just to um, you know get to where I am today. That's a that's a spot that I'm always fascinated by because I think we all have to go through that to some degree if we're chasing something outside of like the typical safer career nine to five path and it's so grindy and like i just feel it right like whatever whatever you can figure out like however you can make a couple bucks not even like a sketchy way but it's just like how am i going to pay rent what can i do what skills do i have who do i know what can i put together and you kind of have an inclination of where you want to go you have like a direction on a compass and you're like i'm heading this way but like what gets you there you don't really know and i don't know it's it's a grind, but I think a lot of this podcast is about that because I think we all feel that. And it's there's so much that goes into everyone's story before they get to that spot where it's like, oh shit, it worked. Cool. We're good. And I think yeah. that's a good reminder to be like, yo, it doesn't just click. Like there's so much instant gratification and so much of like, I'm even the victim of it. Like you see Instagram, you see all these things and you're like, must be nice. It's like, well, you don't know what they did leading up to any of that. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's not it's not a straight path. There is no straight path, especially for a route like this. If you want an entrepreneurial path, if you want a different life, if you don't want that the classic nine to five and you know have that safety for the rest of your life and you want to do something on your own, it's not straight. And like I still feel like at this point in my life, I'm not at that spot where it's even fully clicked yet. I feel like I just am hitting that that point. Yeah right now where it's just starting to click and you know all these things are kind of all these doors are opening for me but you know it's it really comes down to the people that actually do things mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that talk about things there's a lot of people that talk about doing things that have an idea that have goals but 
goals are goals are are almost meaningless to me because winners and losers have goals. It's the processes that you have in your life, the systems that you build in your life. You know, falling in love with the everyday grind of it is what's going to get you there. Because what what happens when you get to a goal? You know, like or what happens if you have an idea of a goal? Nothing. It's like you got to like have these systems in place. You got to build out these habit structures that are going to get you to success, to your goals and beyond. Because another thing is goals, goals are momentary. They only last for that one second, then you want more. So like, you got to fall in love with what you're doing in your day to day, because the goal is going to come and go. But what you do every day is going to be the same. So I love the grind that I do every day. I love like the work that I have to do every day, even when I was so broke and, you know, just, you know, making money just to pay my rent and eat a bowl of rice, you know, like even like that, I was happy because I was doing what I loved. Yeah. And like, it was, it was the burden I was willing to bear and I'm always willing to bear. Bro. It's, I, I get like too fired up about that. And I know that those are cliches, (laughs) but I feel it. I really, really feel it. And I don't know. I think that that's such an important part. And you're so right. You said that so, so well. So ah, yes, I agree. That's, I guess that's, I'll leave it there. I agree. Well said. Um, talk to me about your current life though. So you did a lot of grinding, a lot of figuring out, um, interested in this current life of yours, of what it's like to be Chelsea Cutler's touring drummer when coronavirus is not a thing and what led you to having these, super well-defined companies what's this look like um drumming for chelsea obviously we're not doing a lot of touring right now we've done a couple of driving shows which have been really fun but not as they're fun you know i I love being on stage regardless but playing in front of crowds of people is just one of the most unbelievable feelings ever yeah and but how i balance you know doing that and running businesses is it's taken a lot of time, you know, looking at my day to day, like what I do, you know, from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed and where I fit everything in. And for example, when I'm on tour, you know, life can get a bit different because tour life is you're like living on the edge of reality almost because you don't really, you don't have a normal structure of life. You can do kind of whatever you want as long as you're at the shows and you don't know what day it is. There's no such thing as weekends or weekdays. You're in different cities all the time. So you're like, you're kind of like looking in on the world. It's, it's a really interesting position to be in because your normal day-to-day life doesn't matter. So I've done a lot of different things to kind of structure and different on different tours. I've done different things. One time I just, I said, all right, there's like uh, there's like 50 days in this tour. I'm just today's day one. And when I end this day 50, and no more weekdays or weekends. It's just 50 days. And yep. uh, I have, to, and I try and figure out like what I have to do in those 50 days for like my company as well. And cool. that's something that's, that's helped me. So it's just like, it, it gives me a opportunity to kind of live outside of the structural norms of society, which have been really interesting, but also really hard to, you know, kind of sim, like come back to, you know, normal life after that. Yeah. But, no, I feel you. And it's it's actually like, it's something that I miss. Like the days of touring for me, like you said that so well. And the 
the structure that you do get out of blocking things up of like, this is 50 days. It, you have then a goal that you set within that, or then you know you're going to be home for two months, something like that, and then you're going to be back out. So then it's like, okay, while I'm home, I'm going to accomplish this. I'm going to fully build this. I'm going to fully get this done, whatever. And it almost makes you appreciate and utilize your time better because it doesn't just become, oh, I'll do it over the weekend. I'll do it next week, whatever. It's like these finite blocks. And it's a really interesting, completely out of the norm uh, structure, but it ends up working for certain people. It seems like you've really utilized that. Yeah, I think I owe a lot of it to, you know, this, like I was, like this crazy life I lived before all this. It was like I was preparing for a tour life because I was on my own schedule all the time. You know, if I wanted to make something happen within, you know, Baron Owl at the time, you know, Pack Records more recently, I, it was up to me and my partners to do so. Yeah. And so between all the odd jobs I had and, you know, playing in different bands and, you know, starting these companies up, you know, I had to block my own time. I had to figure out how to structure my time every day so I can accomplish all my goals. Yeah. And it took a really long time to figure that out. Um, and a lot of, a lot of failure, you know, a lot of not doing it right. But eventually, you know, I have I have kind of a system still always evolving, always changing is because nothing is forever. You know, new things get thrown into your life, you know, that you have to figure out how to add in. So I'm I'm kind of like obsessed with habits and structuring of the day. It, it's kind of something I really obsess with. I have like diagrams and graphs of like all the things that I like to do within a day and how do I fit it in. If you, you can't sleep on the wall I'm looking at right now. It literally has like all the things I like to do and I make X's every single day. So I know I know I done it and then I get to see at the end of the week, you know, like what I did and what I didn't do and why I didn't do them. Um, but, you know, on tour, I wake up, I have to figure out my own schedule. So I have to wake up early and there's no sound check till like the afternoon. So from, from the morning to the afternoon, I work, I do my label stuff. I have my phone calls. I have my, I talk to my management clients. I talk to my partners, you know, I fit in everything with my team and everything has to be really transparent. My communication has to be on point because with the moments that I'm in soundcheck or on stage, my, I don't have a phone. I'm not talking to anyone else because I'm very in it in the moment there, you know, everything's intentional for me. Yeah. I want to give everything I'm doing my hundred percent. So, you know, the daytime is very open and it's very stressed. Like, free in that way being on tour because you don't have any where you really have to be until sound check. Yeah. So yeah. that's how I'm able to do it. You strike me as the type of person that's probably read the one thing in Atomic Habits. I don't know. I love Atomic Habits, yeah. man. That's, that's <laughs> my Bible. Yeah. No, that's cool. So like what's uh what are some things you time block? That's interesting. And I haven't really talked to anybody specifically about that. I'd be curious to hear. So like how do you do you break things down in hours? Do you break things down in projects? Cause I would imagine that is a challenge wearing different hats of like you have management side of you, you have label side of you, you have musician side of you. What's that look like? Um so the my mornings are usually focused more for me. I w I'm early riser, always have been. My runs like my family. I think everyone's like my whole life. Everyone was always up at like five thirty, six a.m. And I didn't realize it was weird until like I was like living with other people, and no one was like waking up. I was like, where, where is everyone? Yeah, so, bro, that's weird. <laughs> you just do that. 
Yeah, I just do that. I just, uh, I always, I'm just up, you know, even if I'm like, really, if I go out late at night, you know, I'll wake up still really early mm-hmm. in the morning. It's just, it's just like a, almost like a FOMO thing. Yeah. But, you know, I, I focus on myself in the mornings and then my, the management and label stuff are very, it's, it's almost, I look at it as one thing. Mm-hmm. I look at it as one thing because the way I work with artists, you know, I, me and I have three other partners. We all have specific roles, even though we all work together all the time, I'm more focused on the A&R, you know, work, working with the artists on the music, working on finding them collaborators, remixers, really hands-on with the artists and yeah. also on like big picture creative. So I come up with a lot of like the creative ideas and work with the artists on creative. So that's what I do at, at the label and in management. Obviously I'll do some more administrative tasks every now and then, but those are my main focuses. Yeah. And so it doesn't really, I don't really have to switch from management to label because I, I, I just care about these artists. So whether management or label, I treat them the same way. You know, mm-hmm. they don't get treated any differently. So I don't really, so let me backtrack a little bit. So I, fo- I focus on myself in the morning and then I look at my responsibilities. I have like a list of things that I write every night for the next day. I look at what I have to do. And then I listen to music for like two to three hours. Oh, wow. Because um, A&R is like my primary fo- focus for label. I'm trying to find, you know, these, these cool, amazing artists. There's so many artists and it's so easy to put your music out these days that there's so much being put out and I follow like a million playlists. So I listen to music for about two to three hours and then I'll hit up a bunch of new artists just to, you know, just to talk to them. You know, and that's one of my favorite things is, you know, getting to talk to all these artists around the world and hearing their stories and, you know, where they come from, why they make music, you know, where they get their inspiration from. It's so interesting because everyone is different. And so after that, I then start doing more task-based things, you know, whether it's for the label or for my management clients. It, it, there's really, like I said, it's all one thing. And then, yeah, that's that's pretty much how I structure my day. Nice. Um, and then at the end of my day, I'll... I'll kind of, you know, I'll go hang out with my girlfriend or go practice the drums. Yeah, like give yourself some time in the evening to kind of wind down and have some mental sanity and take care of yourself. Exactly. Yeah, um, I like it that. It took a long time to get to that point. You know, most a lot of the time, you know, before I figured this out, it was just 24-7, you know, just on, you know, just yeah. working, just, just grinding. And I think that's important for pieces of your career to be in that mode as well, to just be working 24-7. But I also think it's really healthy to take a step back, do different things, have downtime, because the more at peace you are with yourself and the more like you're, you feel good about what you're doing with yourself outside of work, the better you're going to perform. You yeah. Know, with what you do. I think giving yourself some time to get away from things can also help get fresh new ideas. Like if you're always yeah. forcing yourself constant, this, 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 hammering away at it it becomes routine and you get very good at that routine. But then in a creative field like music, routine is great to a degree, but then you forget to sometimes create or innovate or come up with new ideas. And then it's like, well, what's the point? So I think that that time and that perspective is really important. I I agree with you hundred percent. I agree with you. I think, you know, we are, we are a creation, you know, we're, we're creation just as humans and, is our job to create and we need to in order to create we need to live 
And if we're too routine, if we're too pragmatic about everything, you kind of, you aren't really living anymore. You're kind of more robotic. So I think there's definitely a balance. Yeah. You know, everything I'm saying right now, you know, these structures, they're definitely more like guidelines. Like these are what I stick to, but I'm not, I'm not like so rigid with it. Like my, my life is always, my everyday is different. I'm always changing, but these are my guidelines. These are things that I know if, if I'm feeling like I don't know what to do with my time right now, I have, I have these fallbacks that I can go to and just continue being productive. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. I think finding your own structure, I think for anybody, it's important to take a second to analyze your day and kind of at least try some kind of structure. I know I do something similar where I, I mean, I'll typically, I'll typically go 9am to 3pm being like full business. That's emails. That's, uh, podcast production that's calls that's like all of like the call it like grindy work that pays the bills and then three o'clock like give myself like enough time to go for a walk get fresh air it gets dark at like 2 p.m now so if you're lucky you like <laughs> see sunlight make food whatever and then i'll kind of like shift gears into creative mode it's like if i have a podcast to record i'll get on i'll record the podcast do that and then take a second maybe make dinner or whatever and then like in the evenings it's editing, grinding that, like kind of doing that side of it and then doing my kind of A&R scouting. Like I like to do that part in the evenings where I look for new people to hit up, whatever. But finding that any kind of schedule like that, I think is important. It's so important. You know, it's really important to, you know, kind of get rid of the gray areas sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, and know when you're going to be doing certain things because it, it allows you, because you know, it allows you to have more focus on those things. Because you, there's, there's no, you don't get overwhelmed by opportunities. Yeah, you don't get overwhelmed by everything that you want to be doing. If you know what you're going to be doing, you know, I always know the first thing I do when I go to work or I stand my desk is I'm going to listen to music. Yeah, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. And then you kind of do get hype on the routine. Like, you know, this is your part of the day and you're like, cool, I know I'm going to be doing this for an hour. Let's make the best of it and let's enjoy it. Yeah, or whatever, exactly. however much time. Um, tell me specifically, so how did you, I guess I'm still curious, like how did you go from being like, all right, I'm going to do the music thing to then playing for Chelsea? Did you play for other artists? Did you have your own project? How did that connect? Um, it was really, you know, it was luck. It was an opportunity met my preparedness. I was, I've always been playing in Brooklyn bands, you know, local bands, um, rock bands, psych rock bands, you know, wherever I could play drums. I was always just trying to play drums. I, when I met Chelsea for the first time, I was working at a different full-time job at this company called Fuga and they're a distributor. So I was pitching, I was doing playlist pitching. And I was pitching um, all like the, the music for North and South America to DSPs. And at night, you know, I was playing bands, you know, I was uh, you know, business guy by day, starting trying to start my own business, you know, like secretly without my coworkers seeing me like doing my management stuff. And at night I was kind of like living that like Brooklyn, you know, rock star kind of vibe thing. And um Chelsea's uh, management hired my my business partner Theo as an intern, and 
her drummer, Chelsea's drummer, couldn't like fill in on a couple of dates. He had he had to play with a different group. And Theo was like, oh, my my business partner, Gavin, he plays drums. Um, maybe he, he'd be interested. So they hit me up and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm down. Like I want to play, I want to play shows. And this was when Chelsea was first starting to get some attention. And so we played some small festivals. I took a week off of vacation from work. I didn't really tell them what, yes. I, what I was doing or vacationing. And I went on, I went on a mini tour and it was one of the greatest experiences. And I didn't think it was ever going to happen again. I was like, wow, that was great. Like, I hope I can do more stuff like that one day. Yeah, like maybe I'll be able to like think about this drumming thing for real one day. Like that was cool. Um, then it hit me up a month later with the same kind of thing. Like one week, uh, her her other drummer can't make it, and I did it again. And me and Chelsea started like clicking. We started becoming friends. Started texting, and then literally two days before she was leaving for her first sold out tour, I get a call um, from her management being like, "Hey." Her other drummer can't make the tour. Like, are you, can you leave in two days? Like you're the only other person who knows the music and you actually know more music than the current drummer because you made some of the drum parts to your new stuff. And I was like, Oh my God, like, can you give me an hour? I'm like literally <laughs> leaving my office, you know, like, and I, I had, I had like a panic attack. I was like in the fetal position. I was like, this is like the, my dream. Like I get to like, be a rock star. Like I get to go on a sold out tour, but I have this job and I have financial security and like, I don't know what's going to happen after these five weeks. Yeah. And I called all my friends. I called my parents. I called, I called my lawyer and just to like kind of get like, see what I should do. And I didn't, you know, I, I sent it, you know, it was one of those Let's moments. Go. In my life Let's where I was go. Just like, this is, this is something that I've always wanted to do. And I will regret it. If, if I don't make this decision, I, I called out sick from work the next day, but like, actually I, I felt sick because I was just like my whole life. Was <laughs> you changed. had so much stress and anxiety making the decision. You actually made yourself sick. It was a valid. I was experience. sick. I was so sick. And I had to figure out like what to tell my boss. Cause like, I loved my job there too. I, I, I was working with awesome artists and I felt so disrespectful of being like, Hey, I'm, I'm leaving tomorrow. Like I'm, I can't even give you my two weeks right now. Like God, I'm yeah. literally leaving for tour like tomorrow, but it, it was something it was, I had to do it. I, what was that conversation? Did they understand or were they pissed? I, so my boss happened to be on vacation at the time. So I was luckily enough able to leave a, a voicemail with everything I wanted to say. Wow. And then she called me back and, they understood and they, they knew, you know, I was really into being a musician. They, my boss, like two weeks before had like a conversation with me asking like how committed I was to the team because on social media, I'm like posting, like I'm up to like two, three AM, you know, like playing with bands, you know, like having this dual life. Yes, and, like, dude. Like, and so I was like, yeah, I'm committed to this company, but you know, at, in my mind, I'm like, if a situation comes up where I don't have to, do this. I'm, I want to like be an artist. And it was, it was definitely, you know, it was a really, really amazing and challenging time as amazing as it was a time in my life. Dude, I love that you took that opportunity. Like that <laughs> moment, I feel it. And that's so scary. Like to have a job that you like and have that stability and yeah, like it's stability and it's something you love, but then it's like your dream right there. And you're like, 
It's only five weeks though. You don't know what happens after that. And you, you of all people know what it's like to like be grinding and figuring it out. So you're like, I finally have this job that I like. Am I really about to fuck this all up for five weeks? Yes, I have to. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I was comfortable with the idea of like, all right, five weeks is over. Like I've been a waiter before I've been a food delivery guy. I will, I will figure it out. You know, I will, continue paying my rent and, you know, I will get another job. I'll figure it out somewhere or another. I've, I've never, you know, what do I want to say? I think, you know, it comes down to being really stubborn for one and also, you know, having the courage. I think courage is something I really value and something I always, you know, when people hit me up on Instagram and people are like, I want to be a music artist. I'm scared. Like I want to do this. I'm scared. I'm like, you need to have courage. Courage is more important than confidence Hmm. because courage is willing to go forward. Even if you're guaranteed to fail, you know, it's, it's doing it anyway. It's doing it no matter what happens. It's, it's because it's just, you know, you just have to do it and you're going to learn no matter what, you know, and it's these small acts of courage or sometimes taking a leap of faith like I did that are going to build your confidence. But at the end of the day, I still feel like I don't have a lot of confidence, but I do have courage. I will, do do things despite you know whether i think it's going to go well or not fuck that was good (laughs) that was amazing that's like i've never heard anybody quite put it like that but that distinction is so real because there's those times where you're like i don't fucking know like i don't know if i'm confident in this but courage it pushes you past that and you're just like okay like i'm going to do it yeah that's no no one knows no one knows man like people pretend really well that they know that they know what's up or they know why things happen. And yeah, there are, there are some, there's some ways to measure things, but I don't know. It's, you just gotta, you just gotta do what, you know, sometimes you gotta listen to your, yourself, you gotta listen to your heart, you gotta take the time to listen to your body and your mind and you just gotta go with what feels right. Dude. I really, really, really like that. So it paid off. Was that the, was that like when she was releasing how to be human? Uh, this was before How to Be Human. This was still like in the middle of mixtape one and two. Oh, crazy. So that's like, that's really her first level of like, I mean, you said it was her first round of sold out shows. Yeah, it was just me and her. It was just me and her. And uh, it was just a drummer, me playing drums and her singing. She had a guitar and uh, like a beat pad. And then literally, like, like I said, I didn't know it was going to happen after those five weeks. And then two weeks later, she's like, we're, we're going to Europe. We're already planning another tour four months from now. And I'm just, and I look at the calendar, I look at the dates. I'm like, that's exactly a hundred days from now. Like, <laughs> you over you know, your calendar days. days to kind of figure some other shit out, like work on my company. And then I'm going back on tour. Dude. And just kept on going, you know? Wow. So what did you do in that hundred days? What happened next? I, you know, so I started, so I, I got kind of like my own fan base from Toronto Chelsea that her fans kind of, started gravitating towards me because I play with a lot of emotion. Like I'm Mm. not the best drummer in the world at all, Mm. but I play with my heart and, Mm. you know, I give the audience my hundred percent and they, and they feel that. And so they're like, they're like, wow, like your energy on stage is, is crazy. Like I've like, you make me feel so happy, so good. And like, and so I was like, cool. I want to kind of capitalize on like my own fan base and see like, how I can maybe generate my own business with, you know, these fans and see what I can do. How can I help these people? 
And so I started figuring out ways. I, I made a website. I started the newsletter where I was like writing, you know, it's called the weekly chop. I still do it all the cool. time. I've been less frequent recently just because I've been really busy. How do I'm I trying find it? Um, you can go to my website, gavinchops.me and go weekly chop and okay, tight. grab and I kind of just write down my thoughts, you know, there could be motivating things or techniques or, you know, a cool video or some book recommendations, just a slew of different things that are on my mind at the time. I also post my five favorite songs of the week and, you know, a motivational quote. It's really short, bite-sized, um, but, you know, my, my fans really gravitated towards that. Yeah. You know, I'm very active responding to people on Instagram or if they email me. I've I've created like really solid relationships with a lot of these fans. Yeah. Um, I, I sent out free stickers with letters to all these people. And at the same time, you know, focusing on my management company, you know, building the business further. Yeah. Um, Cause it used to be a side hustle for me and my four partners. And now we all are for, full time. We have an office and it's, it's, it's really amazing. And like, I I'm, I'm absolutely in love with my with my teammates, the the greatest guys, and I they are way smarter than me. And <laughs> well, okay, I wait, because I want to like really talk about that. So, tell me, because we kind of got too excited and sideboard. So, hundred days, you had to figure something out. Then you're back on tour, and that probably well, tell yeah. me. So, you, what did you do in that hundred days? I worked on the Gavin Chops business. Yep. I worked on Bear and Owl. Yep. And you know, I tried to, you know, work on as many things for like my inner self. I do a lot of inner inner work, a lot of internal stuff to, you know, I think if I'm, I, be, I be really believe in, you know, the, the thing it's like, if you work on yourself, it, there's, you know, you're, you're changing the world. You're going to be able to affect other people, you know, be a, a beacon for other people and create a ripple effect that, makes them be a beacon for other people. You know, I want to be able to spread positive energy. So I'm always, you know, questioning myself, looking inwards. And so I do a lot of like inner work. Damn sick. I I respect all that too. Like, I feel like maybe I'm not acknowledging this all, but like, I'm like over here smiling and nodding because I'm like, yeah, fuck with this. I feel you. I feel you. But uh, the platform, the floor is yours right now. I just wanted to hear that. So, okay, 100 days, you then go back out, you go to Europe. And then since then, you've stayed touring with her, right? Yes. Amazing. Yeah. And I feel like I we really could talk about that. But that moment that you said, I feel like says it all. And before this podcast ends, I want to hear specifically about the management company. I didn't realize it's like at the level, like you have an office, like it's, you're doing the thing. <laughs> yeah. The, the management company, I started with my partner, Theo, like four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I, he was, he's a lot younger than me. He's 23. Wow. I met him. I went to DJ at Drexel University. I got some gig opening for one of my other friends, uh, Whitecliff, who, Whitecliffs, who's an awesome artist. And we got we got hired to DJ this party at Drexel. And there was this act in between. I was opening, and then there was an act in between called Royalty, and then Whitecliffs. And the manager for Royalty was this little eighteen-year-old college kid, Theo. And I started talking with one of the guys, one of it was a duo, it was duo was royalty. I started talking with one of the guys who ended up being an artist named Hazy Eyes. And we started talking on Facebook and he was like, you got to work, talk to my manager, Theo, and I would love to work with both of you. And so 
Theo started taking the train in from Philly to New York and we used to meet up at a cafe and just kind of shoot the shit. And we had very similar values. We, we had very similar goals and we kind of joined, I was working with three clients at the time. And so was he, we joined our, our uh, clients together. And one day I was like, what's your favorite animal? He was like, it's an owl. And I was like, mine's a bear. I sent him a logo a week later. I was like, we're bearing owl. This is our management company. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> and, uh, and then he brought in Sky, um, who he was working. It was just he was working as a, one of our partners on the side. He was he worked at A2IM, and then he was working for United Masters before coming full time with us. He was the head of business uh, partnerships at United Masters, and then Sky brought in Jet, who was working. He was the head of trade marketing at Believe Digital. And everyone, we were all, it was kind of like a secret project um, up until really like 20, 2020, believe it or not, this, wow. this, this year. Yeah. Oh, wow. I got that um, exclusive. I got that, that fresh company interview. Yeah. So Let's we go. were all doing it on the side. Like I was hustling. Theo was in co- building this with me while he was going through college. And then Sky and Jet were working secretly as secret partners on the side while doing their normal day jobs. And we were, you know, we were acting as the label for our management clients. Like I said, running everything through Believe Digital. And we got our roster to a point where we had over 250 million streams across across the board. And we're like, like we were like, let's start, let's start a label. And so we built like a business um, model and a deck of, and we showed like our growth and what we've done already. And it was really attractive to a lot of distributors and really grateful for the orchard who's come on as our funding partner. They, um, gave us a, a big financial in- injection. Um, we signed a deal literally two weeks in the quarantine, like right after I was on tour, tour, tour got cut by coronavirus. And I was like, Oh my God, like there goes my income. And then yeah. all of a sudden, like we, we signed this deal with the orchard to start pack records. And now we have like, you know, sal- we all have salaries and, you know, healthcare and it, we have an office and we're able to now work with really awesome artists, you know, across all genres and, you know, wow. give them that same attention we've been giving our management clients and work with just like really cool projects. And you know, we, we really launched Pack Records in May. It's really new. It's brand new. And we, we, we've had some like really great successes like right off the start with you know, some of our management clients, Will Hyde, who's from Australia, Yukio from Australia. Um, and then I, my first signing was this artist named Godford, who's like an, kind of like indie electronic, we call it indie rave music. Mm-hmm. And the project is getting you know major claim. You know the YouTube video for the music video has over like five hundred thousand views. Like, and it's really exciting. And, and yeah, like you feel it. It's really starting to go. Yeah, yeah it's really exciting. That's so cool. Like, I didn't realize that this was all so fresh, right? Because I, I didn't know. Like, we just like we became friends on Instagram, and I was like, this all looked great. <laughs> like, I didn't think like anything past that. So that's so exciting to hear that it really so all fresh. started clicking. And that's yeah. also cool. I think. I don't know. There's something to be said about not everybody just gets a label deal with the orchard. 
I think they had to have seen something in you guys. And just in you telling me your story, when I look at Pack Records, even though it's new, it looks so well put together and so intentional. And that's really interesting. Like, I don't think that that happens without those past experiences. And what a cool success story to hear you be like, yeah, like we're doing this with the orchard now. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. Like my, like me and my team, we share like very strong values about music. You know, we love music. We, we would be doing this for free and like we've had our, we've had our fair share of ups and downs, you know, and we still do. And, you know, this is an extremely entrepreneurial venture that, that we're on together in a journey. And, you know, but we all support each other. We've all are extremely transparent with each other. We, we run this business on trust and transparency. And without that, you know, this, it would be nothing. And I'm so grateful for my business partners because I would be nothing without them. They have been such an impact on my life in the, in the past four years and being on this journey with them and, you know, working with artists that we're all passionate about and having these big success moments. And then these moments that don't work. And it is such a, it is something, you know, I'll have in, in my heart, you know, I'll have something so special for these guys in my heart, like forever. Yeah, dude, there's, that's also, I feel like what I hear there is just aligning with the right people. Like when you have the right people and you're doing what you love together, that is magic. And it definitely feels like you found that with all of them. Yeah, man, you know, they're, they're very, very, very special people in me. Damn. Well, I really feel like I, I we're here, like we're at just about our hour mark. And it was one of those ones where I didn't fully know what we were getting into. And I knew there would be a lot to talk about. And I'm almost like, damn, we could have had a whole episode on just your stories with Chelsea Cutler. We could have had a whole episode on pack records. <laughs> we could have done Bear and Al. So I feel like we did an all right job covering a lot of topics, but did I miss anything like super crucial here? I don't know. We kind of touched upon every, uh, a little bit of everything. And that's, that's kind of the problem with my life is that I do so many things. It's kind of, right? you know, it's hard to kind of like get it all out in like an hour because like, I guess I've lived like a lot of different lives and have a lot of different chapters of my life. And, but, you know, I feel really, I feel really good about everything we've talked about. And, you know, I hope it, you know, your listeners, like, I hope it helps, helps them or likewise. And I was thinking too, you know, like maybe if we have like listener feedback on this, or maybe if there's, we could always come back and talk about one very specific topic, right? Um, I'd love to have you back and I'd love to continue a conversation like that. But I feel like we did a pretty good job, at least for me, really not having known you now hearing all this. I'm like, all right, I fuck with you. This is cool. This is inspiring. So I hope other people feel something similar. Um, so let's do that. Let's leave it there. And if there's a specific to- topic that we should come back and talk about, let us know. DM both of us. Leave it in a comment anywhere. I'm always checking. It sounds like you're always checking. And if we have something to come back and specifically talk about, we can. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds really great, man. This has been really awesome. I feel I feel electric right now. <laughs> I love it, dude. I, same way. Like, it's it's always hard for me because I try not to be like full on like cheesy campy guy that's like take risks, follow your dreams, do these like all of those things can start to sound cheesy, but when it's coming from 
people who have really done it and proved it and have real life stories about that, I think it carries more weight. So like your moment of having to walk away from that job and like your structure and it leading to success, it's like, okay, cool. That's more than just an inspirational quote now because there's a story backing it. And I fuck with that. It's real. Like it's real. Like I, like I don't give a shit about cliches because they're cliches because they're just said so many times that no one really cares about them anymore because it's like, do the work and like it, things will happen. But like, it's, it, it's, it's true. I don't know. Like some cliches are really, are really true. And like ignore the the fact that they're not novelty statements. You know, there's like every moment in life is novel. Even the ones that you've heard, you know, everything you ever heard, you know, is novel. So. This fucking guy. I like you. <laughs> this is great. Um, where can everybody find you? I know we talked about it a lot, but like, what are some specific handles? How do people get in touch with you? How do people let you know what other topics they want to hear about? Or how do they even just like shoot you a DM and ask you a question? I'm on Instagram. You know, that's my major platform that I'm on most of the time at Gavin Chops. I'm starting to use Twitter a little bit. It's uh, Gavin underscore Chops. And then I have a newsletter um, that you can link to from yep. my Instagram. And, and so I get in touch with people that way as well. Cool. And I'll make sure to include all that in the show description too. And then cool. if people want to see Pack Records and Bear Now, what's that? What's the best way to find those? Um, Instagram at Pack Rex. And the management company Bear Now is at Bear Now with an underscore at the end. Dope. You can see all the cool stuff that we're doing, you know, everything's really cohesive, you know, we're really trying to create worlds around our artists. Yeah. That's something like we could have gotten really specific on that because no. like, <laughs> that really stood out to me was like the branding and how like you would take an artist and really lean into making a proper digital campaign. Like it really felt like you had intentional promotion for all of the singles and all the music that was coming out. So maybe that would be a fun thing to talk about more later too gotta do a part two on that yeah 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 hell yeah well dude thank you for your time on this like it's it really is so special to me that like we can just be internet friends and be like hey want to talk about business and music and life and have conversations like this so <laughs> thank you for that hell yeah man I'm, I'm so grateful as well so thank you for having me and reaching out it was a true pleasure So there it is, Gavin's story. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got some value out of it. Like we said at the end too, let us know if there's a specific topic that we should come back and get into. I'm more than down to have him back on. He's rad. Let us know. I linked all of his stuff in the episode description. Thank you as always for listening.